Good morning. I know I said that to you once already, but you got to get used to it. What can I say? It is so great to be with you here today. I, some of you are like, what is wrong with this guy? Well, uh, when you're away for eight weeks, um, it is, it's just, you know, coming back feels really good. You know what I'm saying? I'm, t- I'm saying it, it's really good. But I want to thank uh, especially um, our board of deacons because they care about my life. And they care about this church, and they, uh, it, it, it means something when leaders will say, we want you to be able to continue doing what you're doing, and we recognize that you got to take breaks. And so that sabbatical was them caring for my life and caring for this church. And so I'm glad to be back, glad to be with you um, my wife said last week, because she went back to school uh, over the last two weeks, so my last week of sabbatical, she said, hey, how was your day today? Because she was working. I said, I was lonely. <laughs> you know, I knew I was ready to come back when I was lonely. I'm like, yeah. I even, I got so relaxed, I quit wearing my watch, you know? Um, so that was a big, that was a big deal, you know? So uh, it was just great to be, away, but it's even better to be back today. And we're starting a series called Great. And I want you to hang on to where we've just been in worship because we're not going to totally leave that, okay? We're going to come back to that. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, it's, it's, it's not a competition, but if it were, yeah, thank you. I didn't think you were in the room. I thought I'd sneak that by you. We like to figure out who's the best, who's the greatest. It's part of our culture, okay? It's, it's, we, do, we do it all the time. We don't recount people that are referred to as Alexander the Adequate. We don't recount of their, of their great military deed, adequate. Did you see how I wove that in there? Did that just for you. We don't celebrate hockey players who are called the mediocre one. That's for all you hockey fans. We don't debate the also-rans. We debate the greatest of all time. We call him the goat now. The greatest of all time. Over this month, we're going to look at this idea of great. Today we're gonna look at the great I am. And then we're gonna look at the great commandment and the great commission. And then we're gonna close out the month looking at the incomparably great power. But in the Old Testament, God revealed himself to Moses. When Moses said, who should I say is telling me to do these things? And God said to Moses, tell them that I am sent you. I am. In fact, he goes on and says, I am that I am. Years ago when I did a a series of messages and I really focused in on that phrase, 
When you break that phrase down, it is as if it, God is saying, I will continue to be to you all that I am. That is God's revealed name to you and to me. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, John the Revelator gives words to Jesus in his, the, 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 the vision, the revelation that he saw. Jesus was saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the all Mighty. He's the self sufficient one, the self sustaining one. And in the New Testament, Jesus reveals himself to be the I am. So in Exodus, you have God saying, I am, and Jesus saying in the New Testament, I am. We're going to take a quick look at these I am statements that Jesus makes throughout the book of John. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And we're gonna do it a little different. I want you to be prepared. But after we're served the elements, I'm gonna invite everyone in this place to do something that will bring you out of your comfort zone and to have you act, and to literally come and crowd around this, the front of this, this auditorium. And you might say, well, you know what, I, I may, I'm just, maybe I'm too new. Listen, if you were at my house for dinner, I'd invite you to my table. So if we're gonna be the family of God, the body of Christ, we're gonna invite you to the table. So the first I am statement that Jesus makes is I am the bread of life. From John 6, 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. When I was a kid, bread was important. Today, bread has a bad rap, Okay? I can remember, I know you're gonna think this is stupid. I can remember the first time I ever had wheat bread in my life. It was, I remember the brand. It was Roman meal bread. I think I was like between 10 and 12 years old. And I'm like, where have they been keeping this all my life? You see, when we had a meal, and I had two brothers, so there was three of us in the house uh, with mom and dad. When, when they my mom prepared a meal, every single meal, there was bread. Bread was a cheap filler. And when you have three boys, you need filler, okay? So if you didn't get enough of the, the main dish, you went to the bread, and it became a way of life. Bread was served at every single meal. Historically, bread means life. In this world, we're so blessed, okay? In our, and, and, and I feel so, so blessed that I don't have to put bread on the table. And, and like I said, bread gets a bad rap these days. 
You know, I look at that, that loaf of bread, okay, and I mean, ours has like branches and twigs and acorns in it. That bread, you know what I'm talking about? Okay? Seriously. I, I mean, this stuff is hearty, right? It is. It's solid stuff. I look at that, and I have this longing in my heart for it, but I'm like, but you're bad, you know? And I know that, that, that bread isn't really bad. Maybe overindulgence in bread can be bad, okay? But put it in a toaster and just see what it does to you. <laughs> see what it does. You put some good whole wheat bread in the toaster, and you're just like, oh, man, this is... It's, okay, I've said this before, God is a God of smells. What did he say in the Old Testament? The fat is mine. Do you know what they did with bread in in the Old Testament and and grains and wheat? They would sacrifice it to the Lord. They would put it on the altar and burn it. God loves toast. (laughs) Seriously. He loves it. The smell was part of the worship. In the New Testament, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And he didn't do it with something other. He didn't, he didn't go away from the idea of bread. In fact, he, he, the bread that he used was the common man's bread, barley, the cheap grain, and those, those two small fish. And, and not only did he just feed them, but he even had more than enough. Do you know that we still, we will once in a while, you'll hear somebody refer to having a meal together, and what do they call it? Breaking bread. Some of you wonder why we're so, we, we just encourage you week after week to walk from this room and to go out and have cookies and coffee. Do you know what cookies are? It's sweet bread. Sweet, delicious, wonderful bread. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, give us our daily bread. Not just food, but spiritual sustenance. In, in John 10, 10, the second half of the verse, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And there's some people in this room or within the sound of my voice and you're starving to death spiritually. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you eat of what I bring, you're never gonna go hungry again. Secondly, He says, I'm the light of the world. John 8, 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When I was in high school, I had a friend named Joyce, and Joyce was a pianist, and she played uh, as the accompanist in a group that I was in. And so when I was about 17, um, I would be tasked often with going to Joyce's house and picking Joyce up. And, and Joyce was a, a wonderful, wonderful lady. Incredible pianist. She was blind. So I would go to the door and I would offer Joyce my arm and we would go down the stairs and even in wintertime, we would go out to the car and I would open the car door and she would get in. 
and we would be driving the 10-minute drive or so to the church, and Joyce would say, let me drive. (laughs) I'm not joking you. Let me drive. She said, I'll take you places you've never been. Her meals, she lived with her brother. Her meals were organized like a clock. I was thinking about this last night. I can still remember her hands reaching out. We tell our kids, don't play with your food. She would have to reach out and feel, okay, to make sure, you know, and you would tell, and I I ate many meals with Joyce. Joyce, the chicken is at noon. Potatoes are at three o'clock. Veggies are off the clock. No. (laughs) But she didn't have any light. Her eyes had no light. She couldn't see. She needed help. 1 John chapter 5 and, or 1 and verse 5, the second half of the verse, it says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. John chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, it says, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Without light, the light of Jesus, we're in the dark and there are people in this room right now that you are listening to me whether online or in person and you might feel like you are wandering around literally in the dark spiritually. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I'll give you the light that you need. Now we've got to be careful because even Satan masquerades as an angel of light but there's a difference. We must walk in it. And as a church, we must proclaim it. We've got to tell people. We've got to tell people. Thirdly, Jesus said, I'm the door. In John 10, verse 9, he said, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The gate, it's a door, it's an opportunity or an entrance. The context of that statement is Jesus talking about being the good shepherd, talking about the sheep pen. And when he talks about the sheep pen, he talks about putting the sheep in the pen and then he talks about the shepherd. And what we know about shepherding in Palestine in the first century is that the shepherd would leave an opening in the pen. And then he would sleep in that opening. And so the only way in or out of that opening was to come through the shepherd. Acts chapter 12, or 4 and verse 12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Every person that comes to God must come through Jesus, the good shepherd. Have you come through the good shepherd? Because however you think you've gotten to God, it doesn't work unless we come through Jesus Christ because he's the door. Number four, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The Bible compares people to sheep. I'm sorry, but it's true. And sheep are not smart animals. That says something about us. Isaiah 53 and verse 6, the prophet Isaiah says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Each of us has gone astray. All have sinned. 
The nature of a sheep is to wander, to get themselves in trouble. Jesus said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If you've grown up in church, you've heard this a thousand times, but Jesus willingly laid down his life so that our sins may be forgiven, so that we might have life, abundant life, eternal life through Jesus Christ. Friends, we live in a lost world that needs to hear that Jesus is the good shepherd. And as the body of Christ, as the church, we're the the source of that message. It's us. It's us. Number five, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. These words that are found in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, I read these all the time at funerals. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. He's talking to Mary. And they're a few yards from Lazarus' tomb, her brother. And whoever lives and lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asks her this question, do you believe this? So let me ask you this question this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you know why we stand around a hole in the ground when someone passes away? Because we believe in the resurrection. Because we believe that Jesus is the resurrection. And I stand there with a lot of people that have no idea why we're there. And I try to tell them why we're there. Because we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Carl Sagan made this quote famous. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Jesus didn't just say, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know what else he said? Lazarus, come out. Imagine if Jesus had to say it again because nothing happened. Lazarus, come out. Imagine he's starting to perspire. He's getting nervous. That's not what happened. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And the scripture says that the dead man came out of the grave. And he said, loose him. Because he was all bound up with those, the grave cloths that they would put people in. He said, loose him. He was alive. So much so that the Pharisees sought to kill him to wreck the testimony of the resurrection. The other day I did a funeral One of the family members was so desperate to believe in life after death. It's not enough to believe in life after death. We've got to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. 
We've got to believe that Jesus' blood is enough to pay for our sin. The world needs to hear that message. They need to see it lived out, and it's only going to happen through us. Number six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Until 1900, knowledge, scholars believe, doubled every 100 years, but by the end of World War II, knowledge was doubling every, tw- every 25 years, and now they believe that knowledge is doubling every 13 months. Some believe... Some believe that it's going to get down significantly even from there. To illustrate what I'm saying is the computers that they used to send the Apollo 11 to the moon are not as powerful as this. Knowledge is doubling all the time. Knowledge increases, but friends, truth stays the same. Come on, let me say that again. Knowledge might be increasing, but truth stays the same. Thank you. Are we following the way, the truth, and the life? Are we leading others to follow him? And then finally, as the worship team comes... Jesus said, I am the true vine. John 15, 15, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of life. He's the source of our eternal life. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. And when we are connected to the vine, we have life. And then we're going to bear fruit that is fruit of the Spirit. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20, Jesus said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We will be known by the fruit that we bear in our lives. So the question for us as believers is, what fruit are we bearing? What fruit are we producing? If you have an apple tree in your yard, you want that apple tree to produce apples every year. Now, maybe it won't one year, but I'll guarantee it's not going to produce grapes. It's not going to produce peaches or pears. It's only going to produce apples. As believers, we should produce after Jesus. We should produce a fruit of the Spirit. So here's my question. Do you believe that Jesus is the great I am? Do you believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life? Do you believe that he's the good shepherd, that he's the light of the world, that he's the bread of life? Friends, this is more than lip service today. Our world is in too much danger. Do you believe? And are you willing to be? Remember that quote, 
Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Guess what? You're the evidence. Jesus made the claims 2,000 years ago and you are that evidence. I'm going to invite you to stand. Those that are going to serve communion, just begin to move through the room and as you grab your elements, as I mentioned earlier, I'm just going to invite you to come and find a place here at the front. And we're going to sing one of those songs that we sang earlier that talks about the greatness of our God. And let's remember something. In fact, here's what we're going to do. While you come, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So if you've been served, I want you to just come. Just pack right in. In 1 Corinthians 11 and in Luke chapter 22, it, it basically reads exactly the same because they're the words of Jesus. And Jesus, it says on the night he was betrayed, took what? What did he take? Come on, say, somebody say it loud. He took bread. He's the bread of life. He's the bread of life. And he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body which is for you. Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus that was given for us on the cross. We thank you that he is the giver and the sustainer of life. And as the body of Christ, we gather to celebrate what Jesus did for us. And the word of God tells us that as often as we do this, we show the Lord's death until he comes again. And so Father, we just declare, we declare that Jesus is alive and we're the evidence because he lives in us. Would you partake of the bread together? After supper, the Bible says that Jesus took the cup and he said, this is, this is the new covenant. This is the new deal between you and me. No more will we require animal sacrifice. You're not gonna have to burn toast in worship because I'm going to give myself. I'm going to shed my blood so that all of your sin may be forgiven. And they understood it because they knew what this sacrificial system was like. Our world today does not understand that Jesus has to shed his blood because I don't even think I'm a sinner anyway. Father, I thank you that Jesus willingly went to the cross to shed his blood I thank you that he lived a sinless life in order that he might shed his blood for my sin. And today, I am the evidence of the extraordinary claim that Jesus is the great I am. I'm the evidence. Would you partake of the cup together? Thank you, Lord. As we close today, here's what I just want to invite you to do with me. 
Again, we're stepping out of our comfort zone. I want you to reach out to somebody that's next to you and we're gonna create a whole bunch of connections. It won't be continuous, but I want you to just reach out and grab somebody's hand that's right next to you. Come on, you can even reach behind you, it doesn't matter, yep. Come on, don't let anybody be without somebody. If they're afraid to grab your hand, grab their elbow, I don't care. (laughs) One of the ways the Bible describes us is as a family. We don't understand the value of family till we're ready to lose it. I remember being overwhelmed. Five years ago when I almost lost my family. And I thought, how much should I have done? How much more would there be for me to enjoy and to invest in my family? Father, as the body of Christ, we are all members of one body. We're a family. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for not knowing one another maybe the way that we should. For not being the the type of family that you want us to be. But Father, I believe that you're ready to do something great in our community. And I believe that you're looking for men and women and young people who are willing to say, I will be the extraordinary evidence to the extraordinary claims of the great I am. Father, I pray today that you would raise up men and women who will be in a dark world, the light that is Jesus. Father, I thank you today that you have brought us together, that you have put us together as the body of Christ, the family of God. And Jesus, we say thank you for being the bread of life. Thank you for being the light of the world. Thank you for being the way, the truth, and the life. God, we praise you today. And I pray that as we go out into this world that we will take the great I am with us and that we'll declare him to a lost world. In Jesus' name, we pray. And God's people said, Amen.